Hello, and welcome back to the Intricacies of History. My name is Casey, and I am very, very excited for today's episode of our Devious Hive season, which is shockingly about Hobby Lobby and its devious ways. I'm joined today by guest host and fan of the podcast, Caitlin Winkler, which is pretty exciting. Caitlin, would you like to say something? Hi, as the podcast's number one fan, I am so excited to be here. She's really excited about being the number one fan. I personally am skeptical. I think there's a tight <laughs> competition. But right out the gate, I've got to apologize for the unusually upbeat tone of today's podcast. I usually try to keep a calm and historically soothing demeanor, but I can hardly contain myself today because as it turns out, Hobby Lobby has done something absolutely disgraceful that I hadn't even heard of before. Now, most of you probably think that Hobby Lobby's most nefarious activities involve their stances on moral issues. After this episode, you will never think of Hobby Lobby the same again, because Hobby Lobby has involved itself in a devious heist. Not only do they oppose the gays and contraceptives, but Hobby Lobby has also stolen and smuggled thousands of religious artifacts from the Middle East. I considered entitling this episode Hobby Lobby in the Smuggling Scandal, but it seemed a little bit too unreal. I think it fits the liberal agenda a little too well. But before I get too ahead of myself and spill all of the details of the story out of order, as always, we have to start at the beginning. So our story begins with the Green family, a faithful bunch of evangelical Christians devoted to crafts and Christ. The Green family owns Hobby Lobby, but in 2010, they also endeavored to open a museum of epic proportions the Museum of the Bible. That's the name they chose? Yeah, the Museum of the Bible. Unauthentic, in my opinion, as, uh, <laughs> as many of the things that they kept in the Museum of the Bible had nothing to do with the Bible, but we'll get to that later. So in 2010, the Green family decided to try and fill out their museum, and uh, in an effort to do so, they import a bunch of ancient Middle Eastern religious artifacts, like clay ceiling markers called boulets, which were used to seal documents, uh, cylindrical seal patterns, and a whole bunch of cuneiform tablets. The cuneiform tablets involved here are actually very, very valuable and very, very old. Archaeologists believe that they date all the way back to a lost ancient Sumerian city, Eurissa Greek. I'm probably saying that wrong, but only the Sumerians would be capable of correcting me. See, I'm just trying to imagine here the Green family coordinating thousands of shipments of cuneiform tablets. Well, you don't even have to imagine because we will go over it. And let me tell you, Steve Green had some pretty nefarious ways of getting these tablets. But putting Steve Green aside for a minute, we will get back to the ancient Sumerian city, which the tablets were looted from. The frustrating thing about this city is that no one knows where it is, except for the people who nefariously looted all of the tablets from it. It's just a little bit funny, because the looters basically sacked a city, and everyone knows that they did it, but we just don't know where they did it. Now, these tablets draw the attention of U.S. customs officials, because they were imported under false pretenses. When Hobby Lobby tried to smuggle them into the U.S., the artifacts had been documented by the buyers, as ceramic and clay tile samples. Furthermore, the country of origin was marked as Israel 
when in fact Hobby Lobby had bought these tablets from the United Arab Emirates. Basically, the entire history was fabricated. And because the entire history of the artifacts was contrived, there wasn't any official documentation on their origins or ownership. So the U.S. Customs officials seized the tablets. They traced the trail back, and they found out that they came from Irisigrig, but they also think that some of the other artifacts were looted from the National Museum of Iraq after the U.S. invasion, which we covered in the Saddam Hussein episode briefly. Essentially, they conclude that the Green family doesn't have the rights to these artifacts. Hobby Lobby, therefore, doesn't have the rights to the artifacts. As Indiana Jones would say, they belong in a museum. Or, at the very least, they belong in their home country. And so they confiscate them. Before I generate any confusion by talking about legal action against Hobby Lobby, I'll explain the custody chain of these objects. Basically, Hobby Lobby, as a corporation, purchased all of the artifacts from smugglers, from arts dealers, from some sketchy people in the Middle East. And then they transferred the ownership of these artifacts to the Museum of the Bible. So the Greens Family Museum of the Bible possesses the artifacts, but Hobby Lobby is responsible for importing them. Importing them? Yeah, yeah, importing. Importing being a generous term, maybe a bit too positive. Uh, You know, really smuggling might be the better (laughs) word for that. But... Remember the chain of custody, because we're going to talk about it a little bit more later. So, the seizure of the tablets is where things get a little bit spicy. The The tablets were seized in 2010, but the story goes quiet for a little while, until in July of 2017, after seven years of, you know, completely focused investigation, the U.S. government makes its move. They file a civil suit against Hobby Lobby called... And this is like my favorite lawsuit name ever. The United States of America versus approximately 450 ancient cuneiform tablets and approximately 3,000 ancient clay buble. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to. In addition to filing the suit, the U.S. Justice Department releases a statement saying, In October 2010, an expert on cultural property law retained by Hobby Lobby, warned the company that the acquisition of cultural property, likely from Iraq, including cuneiform tablets and cylinder seals, carries a risk that such objects may have been looted from archaeological sites in Iraq, which, in, you know, my legal expertise, I interpret to mean, screw you, you guys knew this was illegal, and you did it anyway. Hobby Lobby had long before 2017, accepted that they wouldn't be getting those tablets back. So a few days after the suit was filed, they settled. They agreed to return all seized tablets to Iraq, and they pay a $3 million fine, which is not insignificant. And in addition to all of the absolutely scandalous press, they're sort of criminally implicated too, even though they aren't formally criminally charged. There are a couple of layers to this criminality. So we'll break the criminal implications into two parts. Part one would be the actual smuggling that went on. So in 2016, a year before the actual lawsuit over the tablets, the United States Department of Homeland Security reaches out to the Israeli authorities and gives them a bunch of documents denoting suspicious money transfers between the Green family and Israeli-licensed antiquity dealers. A year later, shortly after Hobby Lobby settled its lawsuit with the U.S. government, 
the Israeli government then raids a whole bunch of these antiquities dealers, aka smugglers. The bulk of their discovery included parts of the actual ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead, and even more absurdly, a fresco from Pompeii, like Volcano Pompeii. These things probably would have eventually ended up in the hands of the Green family and the Museum of the Bible, which I think is actually really funny. Most of the articles likely weren't legally obtained or were smuggled. So I have a question. Yeah. Can I jump in here? Okay. So I don't go to Hobby Lobby, not because of any political reasons, just because I don't go there and I don't know anyone who actually goes to Hobby Lobby. So how are they affording all of this? Because these smugglers have like really precious objects. Like these are definitely worth millions of dollars. Okay, well, you know, there are two there are two ways that I could answer that question. Uh, one would be from a personal perspective. Uh, maybe you don't know anyone who, who goes to Hobby Lobby. But, you know, my my mother, my grandmother, the pastor of my church growing up, big on Hobby Lobby. Okay, big on Hobby Lobby. People are all for it. Um, Hobby Lobby is big in the Christian community, actually. Yeah. You're right. They close. They even close on Sunday. Uh, I think Kanye's next song, you know, <laughs> forget about closed on Sunday, you might Chick-fil-A, closed on Sunday, you might Hobby Lobby. But outside of my personal perspective on people who shop at Lo- Hobby Lobby, there's a second portion, which is Hobby Lobby essentially committing tax evasion. Uh, Hobby Lobby hasn't faced any tax evasion charges directly related to this case. But there are some pretty devious tax loopholes at work here. Honestly, I think this part might actually be the more ignominious heist, right? Like, forget about the ancient cultural art. Hobby Lobby is stealing my tax dollars. (laughs) Uh, Earlier, we touched on how Hobby Lobby bought all of these artifacts for the Museum of the Bible before transferring custody. Which seems a bit odd, right? It's a little weird, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it actually makes perfect sense because there's a loophole that they're exploiting here. Under the U.S. tax code, businesses can make charitable donations to receive a tax write-off. So, under the guise of philanthropy, the Green family has their for-profit company, Hobby Lobby, buy all of the artifacts just so that they can donate it to their museum so that they can deduct the artifacts from their taxes. But it gets even worse because Hobby Lobby follows a pretty standard 3-to-1 monetary ratio of the appraised values. So that means that in many cases, Hobby Lobby is deducting way more money, up to three times more money, than they actually paid for the pieces that they donated to their own museum. So the U.S. government was essentially paying Hobby Lobby to acquire all of this questionably sourced art. Uh, They're basically making more money off of this than they paid out, which I think pretty devious. Diabolical indeed, Casey. But I have some more questions. Again. Um, where is the Museum of the Bible located? You know, I'm glad you asked because I don't think we've talked enough about the Museum of the Bible. I don't think we have either. Uh, The episode is themed around Hobby Lobby, but the Museum of the Bible is is a pretty big part of that. Uh, The Museum of the Bible is is naturally located in our nation's capital, (laughs) Washington, D.C. Of course, where all of the Bible's history took place. Yeah, well, you know, obviously. Right. So that's where they thought the best place for it was? The United States? That's where they thought the best place for it was, the U.S., yeah. Because, you know, we're like the Christian capital of the world, obviously. Right, obviously. You know, forget about the Vatican. We got the the U.S. Exactly. 
Um, what other artifacts do they have? Well, I mean, we'll cover some of the other things that they used to have. Okay. Because uh, funnily enough, some of their most valuable objects have been taken away from them, uh, you know, through various different incidents. We'll, we'll talk shortly about the Gilgamesh dream tablet they had, which was actually part of the Epic of Gilgamesh, one of the oldest pieces of literature ever. Wow. They, they also... At one point, and we'll go over this briefly too, they all, they believed that they had some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, <laughs> <laughs> but they turned out to be forgeries, uh, of unfortunately course. for Hobby Lobby, naturally. They're also currently displaying one of the revisions of the Magna Carta. What? Yeah, yeah, like the actual Magna Carta. You can, you can see it there until January 2nd of 2022, which I actually think is unbelievable. When I saw the Magna Carta on their website, but I was like, why do they have a web page on the Magna Carta when they would never have the credibility to display it. But as it as it turns out, it's the Magna Carta. Okay, guys, I've just looked this up. And apparently, in addition to seeing one of the actual revisions of the Magna Carta, you can see a new film starring Andy Serkis, who you may know as Gollum, or... Or what? Or the main ape from Planet of was he the main ape? He was. No way. And he outlines the history of the Magna Carta. So be on the lookout for that. You know, that sounds pretty exciting to me. But that's probably enough listing of the uh, of the artifacts that Hobby Lobby possesses. Right, right. Otherwise, we'll be here all night because, I mean, they have an extensive collection. So basically, in the 2017 Hobby Lobby scandal in which the Justice Department prosecuted them to get those artifacts back. Things didn't end very well for Hobby Lobby. But if you thought the end of that lawsuit was the end of Hobby Lobby's smuggling ventures, you were wrong, because they smuggled more. (laughs) In 2014, in a completely separate incident, after the Museum of the Bible had already had thousands of pieces seized, by U.S. Customs. What? They acquired a portion of the famed Epic of Gilgamesh, which is one of the oldest pieces of literature in the world, as I said earlier. Now, keep in mind, at this point, they were fully aware of the ramifications of not properly documenting and importing the artifacts that they wanted. Not only because U.S. Customs had already seized a bunch of their stuff, but as the Justice Department pointed out in their previous statement, They had many times been advised by their own archaeological and cultural artifact advisors that what they were doing wasn't legal. Why retain a consultant if you won't listen to them? They just had too much money, as we've been over. I mean, they were making money off this thing. You have to have a consultant, so it at least seems legit. Uh, But also, I think that, you know, Steve Green really has a lot of fun wanting the laws. Steve Green has, has done some pretty questionable stuff in acquiring all of this art. Uh, And all the while, he's denied doing it. He actually released a statement saying that he didn't know anything about art, collecting art. He didn't realize it was a crime. He said that he unwittingly dealt with unscrupulous dealers in those years. It's a direct quote. But the New York Times reports that he was many, many, many times made aware of all these things. So he, he had a lot of knowledge about what was going on. The Epic of Gilgamesh was improperly smuggled into the U.S. after Hobby Lobby bought it at auction. 
But the funny part is that, that the crime, the smuggling crime this time, didn't actually occur in the U.S. The Green family bought this tablet under false pretenses in London, and then essentially lied to U.S. customs officials about how they got it. They, uh, they said that they sourced it through completely legal methods, completely legal ownership, but the ownership of the tablet was really sketchy. Uh, the cover-up worked for a little while, but U.S. Customs always gets their man. So in 2019, after Hobby Lobby had already settled the United States versus approximately 450 ancient cuneiform tablets, the U.S. seized the Gilgamesh tablet from the museum. Absolutely devious. It's pretty widely agreed that this tablet was also looted from Iraq during the 2003 invasion, like other artifacts Hobby Lobby acquired. You really think that they would have learned, but no. On the Gilgamesh tablet alone, Hobby Lobby lost $1.6 million, which lots of people on the internet think is pretty funny considering they had the money for that, but argued paying for employees' birth control was an undue burden. <laughs> I mean, just on the fine that the U.S. Justice Department had them pay and this Gilgamesh tablet, Hobby Lobby blew through about $5 million. So really, I think they might need to focus on themselves. Uh, funnily, the Museum of the Bible also recently lost its claim to what they thought were ancient Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls, pretty famous, very highly sought after artifacts. But they didn't have them seized, like most of their other stuff. Because the Dead Sea Scrolls Hobby Lobby thought they had bought were revealed as forgeries. <laughs> uh, so now the whole world is sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. So we can find out if the rest of the stuff that Hobby Lobby had smuggled was legit. Uh, the moral of the story, don't buy questionably sourced artifacts off of smugglers. So when are we going to the Museum of the Bible? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would be down to go to the Museum of the Bible, do a little investigating, see Andy Circus of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, I think it could be fun. Uh, and you know what? We'll invite all of the viewers, too. We can, you know... Big uh, intricacies of history trip to go to the Museum of the Bible. I want to thank everybody for, for listening to this week's episode of Intricacies of History. We'll hopefully see you next week for another ignominious heist. Mm-hmm.